Hey mamas, I'm Alyssa, registered dietitian, picky eating specialist, and mama of two. You're listening to the Nutrition for Littles podcast, aimed at helping you raise healthy, independent eaters. Each week, we will tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby led weaning, and so much more. Let's jump right into today's topic. All right, all right, you guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad that you guys are here. I am covering a very hot topic today, one that has been very highly requested. And, you know, it's just kind of taken me some time to put it together in the right way, or not right way, but the best way that I see fit. Uh, So I wanted to hopefully make sure I do it justice and um, answer any questions that might be still lingering out there. But today we're talking about organic versus conventional foods. Now, this is a huge topic. In fact, I bet there's going to be more episodes talking about this because it's it goes so much deeper than just like a basic yes or no, should I buy it? So we're going to break down some stuff here, but I do want you to know that it probably won't all be covered. Um, however, if you listen to this episode and you still have questions, I would love it if you DM'd me on Instagram over at Nutrition for Littles um, any questions that you still have so that I can start working on a kind of follow-up episode to this, <laughs> answering all your questions about it. So I'd love that. Mama, I see you. You're tired of making different meals and crossing your fingers that tonight might be the night where they actually try those veggies. You're so tired of putting things on the plate just to watch them not get touched. Maybe you're even feeling stuck in a never-ending cycle of bribing, begging, bargaining to get your little one to eat. Maybe you feel like they wouldn't eat anything unless you count down their bites or even feed it to them. I bet you're even worried that they're just not getting enough and certainly not enough of the things that you know that they need. You're not sure that they're reaching their full potential living off pizza and goldfish crumbs. You're ready for a change or else you might just throw in the towel altogether. Maybe you're feeling like you're at your wit's end with picky eating and feeling like nothing will work. You need a plan to finally beat picky eating and get back to enjoying meals again. If this sounds anything like you, then this program was literally made for you. Table Talk is the picky eating program that works. It's the program that teaches you to be your own feeding expert because at the end of the day, you know your child best. And feeding kids shouldn't be this hard. Picky eating can take over your life, feeling like every meal is worse than the last. It's time to reclaim your kitchen and actually start enjoying meals together. Table Talk is a targeted program that teaches you the strategies and methods that kick picky eating to the curb for good. Take it from Lola, who's a mom of a little one who she was ready just to throw in the towel altogether about picky eating, but then she took Table Talk, and at the end, she said, since taking Table Talk, my daughter's foods, likes, and loves is over 100. Can you imagine what it would be like for your little one to like or love over 100 foods? Throughout the Table Talk program, you'll learn how to get them to eat more variety and new foods, make sure that they're eating the right amount, and finally have peaceful meals again as a family. You'll learn how to stop pressuring them to eat and what to do to encourage them without pressuring. Plus, you will feel confident at the table knowing that everything you're doing is leading to raising a healthy, happy, and independent eater. All right, you can click the link in the description box below to enroll in Table Talk today. And when you do that, you will also get my Demystifying Desserts mini course completely for free. 
this course teaches you how to take desserts off the pedestal and put them back where they belong and end the obsession with sugar. All right, click the link in the description box below to get started today. So first and foremost, I don't know if everyone understands kind of what organic means. It's kind of this word that's been thrown out. So in the U.S., and all the information I'm going to be talking about is really from the U.S. and how we classify things as organic. Um, That's what I can really speak to. But essentially, organic produce um, or organic foods are regulated by the USDA. And if they meet the qualifications needed by set by the USDA, they can apply and get an organic stamp, like a USDA organic stamp on their product. Now, you've probably seen these before. It's like a little gold kind of emblem on the food that says USDA organic. Now, just to clarify, so this stamp of approval (laughs) to be organic is, like I said, regulated by the um, USDA, and they have their own definition of what constitutes organic food, organic material. Um, And so really, essentially, it's crops that are produced um, that don't use synthetic pesticides, or at least most synthetic pesticides, um, or like certain fertilizers or herbicides for three plus years of harvesting that food. So there's like a whole um, process that a farm needs to go through in order to get that stamp of approval. Um, There also needs to be no genetic engineering um, and anything like that around the food. So hopefully that kind of clarifies what that is. But I do want to be really clear here that food can be organic without that stamp. Um, And that stamp doesn't also mean that it is like um, the most pure food grown out there. (laughs) I hope I'm making sense here. But essentially, this stamp is created and um, out of thin air and basically people decided what constitutes organic food as organic. So there are certainly things that slip in that I think a lot of like purists would say, oh, that's not organic. So a lot of other companies or institutions are trying to have different independent labels created to make things more strict. Um, But you'll oftentimes see that label as like kind of the gold standard. That's a conversation maybe for another day, but um, it is important just to note that food um, or produce or crops don't have to be, have to have that stamp in order to be organic. In fact, uh, a lot of farmers can't afford it. It it costs quite a bit of money to become organic certified. So uh, it is a process and a lot of farmers care a lot about organic farming, but they don't have the money necessarily to apply for it or they feel like their money is better utilized somewhere else. So just an important note there. Um, it also, unfortunately, doesn't always necessarily mean that they can't use the word organic in different uh, marketing techniques, which is really unfortunate. So someone's name of their product can be uh, like Sunny Organic, and that's the brand, and they sell tomatoes. It doesn't necessarily mean that those tomatoes are organically farmed and produced. So hopefully that it just brings a little clear clarity to the issue. I'm actually, I'm sure it doesn't it actually probably makes it much murkier for you um, because I think a lot of people depend on our inability to understand the difference between marketing and claims. Um, and that's, uh, again, really unfortunate, but also true. And I've experienced that myself. So that's, again, another conversation for another day, but helpful to keep in mind. 
For kind of mixed products or products that have multiple ingredients, there's also different levels of organic that they can label themselves as. So things like um, not, that have like 95% of their ingredients list are organic can call themselves organic. Otherwise, you might see something that says made with organic ingredients. That's around 70% of the ingredients are organic. And then if they have less than 70% of their ingredients uh, that are organic, they might say something like, it, this is yada yada product made with organic uh, cauliflower or something like that. So they can pick and choose which organics are or which products are organic in the ingredient list and highlight that as marketing again. So uh, that marketing is super important. And then we, of course, come to more like meat based products, uh, livestock, things like that. Um, obviously, you've probably seen things like meat, milk, eggs um, or other animal products sold as organic. So there's some requirements around that as well. So I'm going to be reading a little bit from the USDA government or .gov uh, website because this one is a little more confusing, I would say, uh, in general, as long as you don't get into the nitty gritty. But essentially, uh, different livestock have different um, requirements on how they are raised and how they are fed. So a lot of the livestock has to be fed 100% organic feed. Um, and then certain types of practices actually aren't uh, permitted to be sold as organic when they like have some sort of treatment when they're sick or injured. Um, if they use certain type of medicine, they can no longer be sold as organic. This also says here that ruminants must be out on pasture for the entire grazing season, but not less than 120 days. And these animals must also receive at least 30% of their feed um, or dry matter intake from pasture. So uh, it also says all organic livestock and poultry are required to have access to the outdoors year round. Animals may only be temporarily confined due to documented environmental or health considerations. <laughs> so there is that. I could post this link actually in the description box. So I think I'll do that too. Um, uh, kind of hammer out the different requirements for crop, livestock, and um, uh, mixed ingredients or multi-ingredient products. Uh, that's listed on the USDA website. So a lot of people wonder why organic is more expensive. And a lot of people assume because it's more expensive, therefore it's more nutritious or healthier or better or whatnot. And I'm going to be really careful in talking about what I think is best because I think... Um, at the end of the day, and really here at the top of this episode, I want to tell you that what is best is eating fruits and vegetables, like including fruits and vegetables in your diet. Uh, I think the financial side of it, the reasoning behind that is because they can't use certain um, chemicals, herbicides, pesticides, um, treatments in order to sell their product as organic, they lose a lot of crop. They lose a lot of crop. It takes more tending to. A lot of times it takes more um, hands-on from the farmer. And so, of course, that's going to increase the price of the product. There's also a large bit of it that is marketing, that they know people will pay a premium price for organic foods or foods that are listed as organic. So I think that's important to note as well. It's impossible to suss out what is what. Like, is this lettuce a dollar more because of marketing and a dollar more than that because of crop loss? Um, or is it the full, you know, increase is that, you know, it's impossible to know. But there is kind of two sides to this coin. What I will say is there are people out there in the organic industry that are honest, hardworking, kind people who truly believe in organic farming, uh, even more so in regenerative farming. And um, there are people out there to exploit it, just like in every industry. So it's hard. It's hard, right? And I think that one of the biggest things to note is 
if you can know your farmer, if you can know the brand that you are buying, I think that's great. If you don't have time for that, if that's not a priority for you, that's fine too. Everyone has their own stuff. I care about food. I care about um, that entire area, which is why I'm a dietitian. (laughs) So it's worth my time, energy, and money. Like if you were to look at my bank account, you would know very clearly where uh, what's important to me. And one of those things is food. And so you'll see that uh, reflected in my grocery bill. But that being said, that doesn't mean that's for everyone. So again, priority number one is getting those fruits and vegetables in. Do not buy six apples to eat all week um, as your only produce because it's expensive, because it's organic, because you're prioritizing organic food when you could afford to get a variety of fruits and vegetables um, that are more conventionally grown. Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, there are conventional farms out there who are doing it organically, but haven't gotten that um, stamp of approval yet, or they're just not interested. Um, I know a lot of farmers at my farmer's market, for example, are that exact way, that it's not really worth it to them. And they go to the farmer's market and meet their uh, buyers and talk to them about their farming practices. And it's kind of that is that. So when we look at the research behind is organic food healthier? So the research that we have points to uh, crops. As far as crops go, produce goes, the nutritional quality of a carrot versus a carrot, conventional versus organic, is about the same. Um, That being said, we know how farming practices work, that the crop or the yield of the farm is only as nutritious as the soil that it was grown in right? Like that's where the carrot is absorbing, is getting all the nutrients that it comes to have inside of it is from the soil that it's in. So it's really important to be planted on um, healthy, rich soil. So there's a few different kind of situations here that I want to talk through. One of it is that organic, just in general, farming practices tend to care more about their soil, uh, tend to focus more on their soil in general, this is total generalization. Um, and then when you go one step further, more to like regenerative farming, uh, people who use different tactics to keep their soil intact, those are going to be the ones that produce the most nutri- nutri- nutrient-dense crops. So that is where you're going to find like the most nutrition. Again, though, if you take like the best quote-unquote farming practices and put that carrot up against like a more conventional grown carrot you're not going to see a huge difference. It's not going to be like zero to 100, but it is going to be a fluctuation. Um, Research isn't always asking that type of question. So oftentimes they're comparing to similar crops. So in a health sense, negligible, negligible with crops. That being said, we know that there are different herbicides, pesticides used in conventional farming that's not in um, organic But if you're washing your fruits and vegetables well, especially with like a scrub brush or something like that, you're likely not ingesting those. Um, Anyways, again, the research shows it's negligible. That being said, I think with produce, that's pretty clear. There's also been some kind of conflicting research about this idea of the clean 15 or the dirty dozen um, that many of us probably grew up with. This idea of, oh, well, if you're going to buy organic, buy these ones organic and don't worry about these ones that's kind of been shown to be a misnomer. So I would, you can absolutely stick to it if you feel more comfortable. But I think that in general, a lot of the research has been kind of debunked around that um, in general. Now, there are certainly different fruits, vegetables, growing practices, the area of the world that it's being grown in that requires different support to have that fruit or vegetable grown in that 
environment. I hope this is making sense, but if you're not using herbicides and pesticides to grow certain foods in certain areas or climates, it's going to be harder to yield um, and vice versa. So oftentimes they are supported a little bit more in certain areas with herbicides, pesticides, whatever you might, uh, fertilizers, things like that, in order to get them to grow. Whereas maybe it's not an organic farm but those oranges grow beautifully in this area without the need for anything else. Like this is a natural product of this climate. The farmers aren't gonna use anything they don't have to, right? Like they're in it too to make money. I mean, along with other things, but they're in it to make money. So they're not gonna spend their money on herbicides, pesticides, fertilizers that are special that don't do anything because it's already in a climate that survives. So anyways, just keeping that in mind of how this whole process works. So washing your fruits and vegetables, super important. Um, Now, when it comes to dairy and livestock, I will say that there are some differences between organic, especially grass-fed organic um, versus conventional. The biggest difference here is going to be the healthy fats that we find in organic grass-fed meats and um, even dairy products as well. So that's probably going to be the biggest difference, the biggest improvement that we see, and the research has supported that um, as well. Now, again, is it 0 to 100? No, but it is significant. And so I would say if you are prioritizing your money towards something, I would aim to prioritize it towards uh, organic and or grass-fed Uh, meat and dairy. So that's where we would prioritize our money, which is why I would recommend that to you. Now, um, that being said, I also prioritize my money at pasture-raised eggs, um, which are grown up on pasture. They are not given feed necessarily. I mean, they are given feed, but they also uh, just eat from the land, which they're going to have a more varied diet. Um, this is actually really evident in just the color of the yolks. You'll see they're a richer, darker orange. So I do prioritize my money there. That is one thing that I will focus on um, along with organic milk, um, organic dairy as much as I can, and then the organic grass-fed beef um, or meat in general is where I aim to spend our money. Same thing with uh, chickens and pork and all things like that. I do my best. It's not always available. Um, There are some online uh, retailers where you can buy these things, Um, but that's really where I focus our attention right now. Now, of course, research can change. Also with research, it's only going to show you the answers to the questions you ask. So asking the right questions of the right people um, is really important, and I don't think that research does that perfectly. So we go off the research we have, but we always encourage more and more research. So of course, more research is coming out. There's of course, conflicting research out there. This is the best that I can do with the meta-analysis kind of going through what is out there and what I've pulled from it. Of course, things can change. I do think, um, although many people will think this is a fallacy, that there is some common sense to what we are eating um, with food. Now, that's a conversation for another day as far as nutrition goes and how are our bodies works just knowing on a mechanical level um, what these foods can do for us. So I do know that I support whole foods, things like fruits, vegetables, uh, dairy, full fat dairy, specifically meats, um, things of that nature for a healthy, varied diet. Um, That being said, you prioritize food first, right? Like it is so important to get a varied diet, eat a variety of foods. Do not, you know, uh, 
avoid certain foods because you can't afford organic and then you just cut it out of your diet altogether. That is not the goal here. Uh, So make sure that if it's a priority for you, for sure, that's I'm just sharing with you what my kind of take on that is, where I focus my money and my energy and my support and um, some of the actions that I might take with speaking with my local farmers or grocery stores or, um, you know, any sort of ways to vote or talk to my politicians about how things are run in the food world, how they are regulated, all those sorts of things. Again, conversation for probably not another day on the podcast, but if you ever want to go get coffee with me, we could talk all about this. Uh, Very passionate about it, but I just kind of wanted to clear the air, hopefully, about organic, what it is, why there's so much hype around it, and where I see the benefit versus... um, the baloney, if you will. So I hope this episode was helpful for you. Like I said, if you still have some lingering questions, I'd love to hear them over in my DMs. Uh, This is definitely a conversation that I love to talk about. So if there are enough questions following up um, after this, I'd love to do a part two. So anyways, I hope this episode was helpful and I will see you next week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you're walking away with some tangible ways to bring peace to your mealtimes. And if you like this episode, please subscribe and tell all your mom friends. And as always, the best compliment you can give me is leaving a rating and written review, which also helps other mamas like you find this podcast too. You can find more from me on Instagram at Nutrition for Littles. Do you have a question you'd like me to answer on the podcast? Email me at alyssa at nutritionforlittles.com. All right, until next time, mamas.